When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so welcome to a super quick midweek pub from us recording on Thursday night with the United Arsenal game going on and the Spurs-Brentford game just finishing as we bring you the speedy edition. We are Who Got the Assist. I'm Tom. Find me on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. My co-host Anthony at FPL Stag. The lead code is 2IP43T. And Anthony, your your game week appears to have uh, gone from mud to great. You're right. How are you doing? I wouldn't go so far as to great, but I would say that what was looking like an absolute disaster class of a minus eight seems to be working itself out into an improbable grey arrow or possible green arrow, depending on what happens uh, in the final minutes of the Spurs game and indeed the rest of the Manchester United game. But um, it's been an unexpected way to do it with ESR scoring one of the daftest goals that we've seen since the, the beach ball goals that were scored on Pepe Reina that time. Absolutely. <laughs> just, just, get, just get up there here. I don't know what he was looking... I don't I, I, you know. Every schoolboy knows, as you've ever heard from playing FIFA, listening to the to the commentators, to play to the whistle. All right, go down if you've been fouled by the opposition, but going down when you're fouled by your own man, like I've got no sympathy. If he was carried off for like a head injury or carried off for a serious injury, yeah, I care. But the guy's standing up again after a couple of minutes. Well, absolute rubbish. Like seriously, stop being a baby. Okay, Tom. Yeah, this is that's some serious your dad talk. Like I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's quite as simple as that. But at the same time, yeah, it was a pretty unfortunate moment. But I'm I'm kind of surprised the goal stood just in the the general sense of things at the same time. Uh, so yeah, an odd one. Anyway. Quick pod, as you say, Tom, quick turnaround. We'll probably have about a one-day shelf life by the time this thing gets out. So what we're going to be doing is just a Q&A and some of our usual updates as well. And with that, we might as well kick off with what there of the Game Week reviews and how we're going so far, what we did, etc. And I was first in the running order because it seemed like I was going to have the worst of the two of us um, Game Week-wise. And then suddenly things have turned around and I have somehow soared ahead of Tom in spite of taking a minus eight hit. This is all kind of provisional and based on bonus points and things. But how has this come about? Well, I took uh, what may be described as an ill-advised minus eight um, ahead of the deadline. I felt I couldn't go on without Jada. And that was kind of the primary reason for doing so. I probably went, you know, a hit further than necessary in one go to get Reese James's as well on the basis that if Reese James played, I know there was a bit of an expectation that he wouldn't play a because of an injury and b because he probably played the next game but i was not taking that risk again and i just had to try and find a way to come into the side i was just too fearful of going another week without him so i got both reese james and Diogo Jata into the side in doing so it meant that i had to make some other sales as well so in the in defense i i sold off livramento in midfield i sold both 
Bakayasaka and Rafinha that obviously didn't work out. And I also, in the end, sold Mikel Antonio. He was the main cash cow that enabled things. Antonio went to Josh King. Uh, I didn't go for Dennis because Dennis was flagged and not expected to play, or at least seriously in doubt. That unfortunately didn't work out in the short term. The Saka to ESR move, you know, the ESR who I could have got when I got Saka, but who didn't have the underlying data. I brought him in and I finally got a goal that definitely wasn't backed up by underlying data from him at least, which was nice. I did get a goal from Diogo Jota, but of course the other person that I sold in midfield was Rafinha, who got a goal as well. So I've kind of, He's only, you know, matched the two people I transferred in. And then obviously Rhys James did not play, which means that I'm going to get Ben White um, off my bench eventually. The Rhys James transfer, you know, misguided, stupid, all of the above may be accepted. But uh, I'm glad I have him in my side. I was getting absolutely massacred by price rises. I was just, it was, everything was getting further and further out of reach. Um, In my own hesitation, I think the transfers that I'd done had moved like a cumulative 0.3 further away from me already by the time I made the transfers on Tuesday so I moved when I had to it looks like I'll get a very small red arrow if not a grey arrow if something does happen towards the end of the games from the players that I have the likes of Tony um, the likes of Son Smithrow or indeed White then I might get that arrow green but for now probably go sideways and stay at around 470 480-ish K mm. You got that sweet sweet assist from Jesus finally making up with last week's um, it's it's so frustrating owning Jesus because like, I know. You just see the chances over and over again and it's he's impossible to sell because he has the chances and he has you know as much as any of them the minutes it it's really really annoying me though because like I kind of feel like I've been there's a double hole a double figure hole Jew there the problem is is just like will it come I, it will but I'm not sure like my patience hasn't been hasn't worn thin purely because I actually don't know which other city player I'd rather bring in question we'll deal with later um so he just continues to sit there in my side um mm-hmm. as my as now actually hilariously my main outfield differential which is yes. both brilliant and also indicative of why i'm struggling to get green arrows yeah but we're, we're both we're both there really aren't we with that sort of uh setup at the moment seamlessly into my team then um so this week i think i'm looking at a, a wondrous hmm, i don't know 64 pointer somehow uh, it's it's not been great but i did nothing i uh, decided to just kind of see it out this week uh, get two free transfers we'll talk about it in a little bit but maybe i'm going to do the same again see it out even further go one more week with a bit of the decrepit team it is a place of welcome to the blank fest to be honest so greater uh, cancello trent uh, all blanking greater i hate that guy <laughs> reese james obviously didn't play Christensen, he was playing, he wasn't playing, he did play, it didn't matter that he played because obviously Dennis scored and my Dennis third bench this week because, you know, same as Anthony said earlier on, I didn't think he was going to play, so I didn't think I'd put him in. What I have done is put uh, Connor Cody uh, first bench, so he's coming on for East James, which is, which is quite nice, so I've actually got a defensive return at the back. And that's Cody's third clean sheet in a row. So I finally got one of them off the bench. In midfield, Connor uh, Gallagher, or Ladaher, as he's been known uh, throughout the FPL community, or at least our Slack, uh, got one point. It should have gotten an assist for Benteke. Really should have. What a miss that was. Okay, not as bad as Mope, not as bad as Aubameyang, but still a pretty bad miss uh, with the one pointer. Salah, 30. Everybody got that. Uh, Jota, Rafinha, yeah, uh, two goals there. Um, and up front, uh, Antonio and Kane, both as useful as a chocolate teapot. 
as threatening as a castrati on a night out. Really, really poor. Um, and obviously, again, we're gonna have questions on those attackers in just a bit. I think I'm gonna have a you know a slight green arrow again, which is kind of what I was looking for, to be honest, overall this week. That's what I expected. Um I, I might even get a red arrow now, you know, ESR goal through just luck effectively and uh, the song goal which was which was you know it was likely to happen i was expecting kane to do something uh, within this kind of time frame so there you go right let's move on to the objectives very quickly um anthony anything here i don't think there's anything to to mention you did take a minus eight i mean were you transferring out elite players you did take a hit you did take a couple of hits like what are you up to now I think in terms of my objectives, I stuck with the captaincy on Salah, so that wasn't particularly interesting. In terms of not being afraid to transfer out elite players, there wasn't really a question on that, I don't think, this week. The timings, I wouldn't necessarily say were a problem either. They were Tuesday morning when there was a Tuesday evening deadline. I don't think there's anything too crazy about that. And uh, when it comes to the hits, I have now taken five hits so far this season. So I'm halfway to my max 10 hits total. I suspect that objective may be under threat as the second half of the season comes around it'll be interesting to see how I play things with my wild card and things but as it stands right now I'm nicely under that 10 hits it's just I'm I'd be probably forecasted to take 11 or 12 at the at the rate I'm going uh, in a per game week basis so there's a bit of, that's under threat Tom but not yet Fair play. Uh, yeah for me captaincy obviously captain Salah same as everybody uh, transfers and transfers I didn't do anything this week so i've got two transfer objectives 50 50 situations i could hit i didn't take a chance on form i didn't do a chance for this week so and um, that pretty much looks after itself didn't it um min league update i think we're still in the throes basically um of this week thus far is it worth doing a min league update do you think anthony I think we should definitely give the maybe go players a skip this week. I'm not sure if there's any value doing that when there's half a game which features a lot of active players um, still going. Okay, great. Let's leave that for one uh, for this time. And finally, the market forces. Obviously, we're in the throes of the game week still. There's not too much to uh, go into. Um, but Emmanuel Dennis Anthony, 200,000 transfers in already. Like, What the hell is that? We've had a few moments this year with the market forces where we thought we were in topsy-turvy town, but this is probably one of the biggest ones so far. A 5.4 now million striker from Watford who have sacked a manager and you know could well get relegated. The idea that one of those strikers is the most transferred in player in any given game week is shocking. The idea that he's one of the most transferred, they're the most transferred in player, and it isn't even ahead of like a double game week or some sort of odd factor which makes us interested in players from random teams. Uh, it just shows, I guess, how good Dennis's recent form has been that he is attracting so much attention. And of course, with that enabling price, it's three goals and three assists in the last three games. So. That's pretty incredible in and of itself. There's four double-figure holes this year, all for like one of the cheapest strikers in the game. It's pretty shocking. And so there he is, yeah, 211k transfers in. He's followed up by Diogo Jota uh, with 175k-ish transfers in. And there's kind of a clear podium, really. Bernardo Silva rounds it out at 130k transfers in. After that, really, you're looking at kind of buttons numbers uh, when it comes to other players who've been transferred in, the likes of James Madison, uh, Rafinha, Tony, you know, Cancelo is the most transferred in transfer, uh, defender. But all in all, um, it's really just that top three um, who are attracting all of the interest. I guess you can kind of see uh, there's a, a very clear 
person who's being sold when it comes to forwards um obviously going towards dennis with people trying to free up funds and that is Mikel antonio he's the most sold player so far this game week with 126k transfers out the most transferred out other players then kind of uh huang is in there Gallagher is in there, Ben Ram is in there, they're all in, and actually Reese James as well, and they're all in at around 80-ish K transfers out, uh, kind of vying for those uh, lower slots, but really it is all about the Antonio sales and I guess the Gallagher sales so far, those are the kind of the interesting things to pick out. Gallagher, from that perspective, you know, it's, it hasn't been like the um, the high production rate that it was and from FPL points a few weeks back but he's still you know for what he for the value he provides he's not doing too badly Antonio someone who we're going to touch upon in the questions later has obviously been failing to fire for quite some time it's something we discussed last week with Andy and um, people are just really losing their patience now and he's indeed dropped in price to 8.0 already so this is kind of the you know the first time that the the tide has started to go out on his price after being you know going up and up and up and up for a long time absolutely you've got reese james being sold now anthony uh 78 mm-hmm. managers have sold him and as you mentioned the likes of uh, gallagher also huang and uh, jimenez uh, both being sold as well downgraded to your man dennis to make things all work but yeah it, it's, it's very kind of a work in progress i think at the moment the market forces given the time that we are recording and things mm-hmm. could change very very quickly right let's move on to the main questions this week Lots of questions on strikers still, which you probably won't be surprised by given by the abject performance in game week 13. But nonetheless, things really are kicking off in uh, the FPL sphere with strikers scoring left, right and centre, particularly strikers from Watford. Wow. Okay, that's very perilous, isn't it, that we're talking about strikers from Watford but we did get a few questions about this today FPL Elf FPL Mania and Jaden's Kitchen all asked about King and Dennis so FPL Elf said you know he's looking at getting both King and Dennis in post game 15 so both of them benching headaches ahead but he said he much prefers both of them than the current cretins in his forward spots. What do we reckon about those? FPL Mania asks, is Dennis the best first name surname FPL has ever seen? Yes. <laughs> and uh, Jaden's Kitchen, King or Dennis? He says he's swaying towards King because of his stats, but Dennis is in red hot form right now. So it's it's definitely one of those which I guess betrays the fact that we've had a very poor time of it in the forward line. That's for sure. I think it is King over Dennis at the moment, as we've spoken about over, well, I think it was two weeks ago with Andy, didn't we? The King was the guy who was ruling the stats. And there's a lot of people have noticed online and Hindu Monkey has been talking about a lot. King is probably the man in charge there. So thus far this season, King has got a 6.5 uh, non-penalty expected goals and assists according to StatsBomb. He scored five goals and he's got three assists thus far according to FPL. So that's one FPL assist, but there's no performance of plus 1.5. Uh, Emmanuel Dennis, 6.7 non-penalty goals and assists according to StatsBomb. And so he's above King in that regard. Six goals and six assists thus far. So a massive plus 5.3 over performance if you factor in one FPL assist. Dennis was up front for the Leicester game. He swapped over with King for the Chelsea game. And Seb Vassell, a, a former podcast, noted this week that if you take out King's hat-trick against Everton and you remove 
Dennis's highest best against Villa, King still comes out on tops to, in terms of the expected data. So removing the biggest performances that we've seen, King's non-pen expected goal involvement is 5.1. Dennis's non-expected goal involvement is 4.1. And King as well is on penalties. I guess what's important is how important 0.3 million is to you. If you watch them play, Dennis is super threatening and he's one of those players who to the eye you'd be looking at thinking, oh, I've got to get this guy in because he's a bit of a doer on the pitch, I suppose. He's one who's very active and you can get very excited by. But I mean, at this level, Anthony, I suppose we're just kind of playing a game of who's the best enabler, aren't we? If you had to make a choice between the two, who would it be? And if you were going to get both, would you get both? I should probably ask actually rather than if you were going to get both. For me, I guess I was faced with this decision to some extent uh, the other day and I made the decision to get King in. Now, had I known that Dennis would play against Chelsea, would I have taken the decision to bring in Dennis just because he enabled things a little bit more? I'd have probably avoided uh, one of the hits if I was able, to, if I'd been able to do that. Maybe, maybe I would have. It's impossible to tell now. But what I can, I guess, say is that I'm happy with the King transfer from the perspective that he's not that much more expensive now. It's 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 almost ridiculous to the yeah, how how much narrow how narrow the gap is between them now. It's just zero point four, and with our zero point three, and with you know, look, King has that underlying data. He has the non-pen xG. He also has the non-pen xA. He has the penalties to be said he scored one versus Leicester Sarah wasn't on the pitch but Sarah missed versus Man United and Sarah is injured probably for the next month so with that in mind things are looking good for Josh King from that perspective Dennis as you say a bit of a doer he's had a significant overperformance in his data but he is the type of player that you would expect to get an, an overperformance on his data in the fact that he's he's constantly there he's constantly trying you know King can kind of disappear in a way that Dennis just doesn't he makes himself very visible in games now there are plenty of forwards who've made themselves extremely visible in games and who haven't necessarily ripped it up you know Embuemo is someone who's very visible but doesn't necessarily rip it up Shane Long I remember was always someone who made himself extraordinarily visible but just unfortunately didn't necessarily have the goals to pair with it uh, Dennis has had the goals so far but the question is do you think that they're an aberration or do you think that he can continue to do that? I'm personally happier having King, but if I were in a position like yours, Tom, there's no way that I'd be thinking, you know, getting frustrated with Dennis. I'd be definitely sticking with him and you'd be mental to get rid of him right now because of how well he has been doing. Would I double up on them? I'm not sure I would. And this is just from the perspective of just that means there is always going to be a Norwich striker starting for me unless I you know play with one up top, but it's, I'm unlikely to do that too frequently. And I'm not too thrilled by the prospect in spite of the fact that you know they have managed to get a few goals along the way um, in the last few weeks. I, I, I still don't think that Norwich or that Watford are actually good. It's just kind of happened the way that it has for them. And these strikers have been in the right place at the right time or whatever, especially Dennis. And I feel like King just kind of has the edge in those stats. And so I'm quite happy to have him as an individual single Watford pick rather than doubling up. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we're in a very kind of now place, aren't we? If we're considering doubling up on them. Maybe yeah. we're looking at the last kind of two or three weeks and thinking, oh, it would have been great to have double Watford strikers over the last couple of weeks. But there will be players who emerge and take over that kind of slot. Now, if I was wild carding last week or maybe even this week I'd be saying yeah okay maybe I will go Dennis and King but as you said I think it's the right place right time sort of thing with both of them it could happen it could happen that both of them continue to keep this up and both of them slay over the course of the season and you know 
it would have been the the go-to to get these strikers extra cheap. The great thing is, is that they're both extra cheap. So you're not missing out on very much. And they're not unattainable. There's going to be no bandwagon that gets away from you if it does happen. There is a turn, obviously, in the fixtures um, that comes fairly soon for Watford. Didn't expect... I had Dennis third bench this week. I didn't expect him to play. But from game week 16 uh, all the way until late February, Watford don't play anybody out of last season's top four. Game week 27, they play Man United. So there could be a case to have one or both of them. Obviously, Dennis is going to go away by the looks of it uh, with AFCON, which we'll speak about mm-hmm. just a bit. Would I want both of them? Probably not, because the value is going to be everywhere else in the team at the moment. Um, again, that could be a very now point, and they could accelerate away and be amazing value. Will we see it? I, I can't quite see it happening, but they're, they're at such a great price that you can flexibly move on to them and not be too upset about being left behind. Yeah, like with, with Dennis as well. Like You just kind of have to see this in the context of that like, these have been the best weeks of his whole entire career. Like he's, you know, there's never been anything like this in his whole entire career. I know he's only 24, but at the same time, like he played for Club Brugge, and you know, his his record was nothing like this. It was, you know, a goal in every four, maybe, you know, at best. Uh, playing in Germany, he got one goal in ten games. It, it, things haven't been this good for him, and so I, I think yeah. you have to kind of look at these things in the perspective of is this like um one of these just weird aberrations that we have where like Mutu start scoring for a few weeks mm-hmm. and then disappears and we never remember him again um or is this just like this um <laughs> sudden appearance of a striker that you know can continue to match it at the premier league level i don't know yeah. i don't think so personally is it his michael ricketts moment right let's move on to basically what we've been speaking about the last three weeks antonio yes further this kind of assertion with antonio is it sunk cost fallacy asks the fpl banger the banger podcast he's already played three times in total number of minutes compared to this time last season but it's not really worked out game week one to six including the red card and the missed game versus united he scored 47 points 7.8 points per game between game week seven and 14 he scored one goal and blanked seven times, including two yellow cards. 2.4 points per game. Dear God, it's annoying, isn't it, Anthony? I mean, looking at the season as a whole, he's still fourth for XGI, but it's not all rosy in the garden at all. And we were asked by a friend of the pod, Craft FBL, last week about him. And I've still got Andy's advice ringing in my ears from last week about kind of, you know, it was the time to sell then. Now, perhaps not. But no, early sellers, or perhaps even early like sellers since game week six are loving life, aren't they? He went in my minus eight. He funded the whole entire operation effectively. Um, and so with that in mind, I guess I can answer my, the question that, yeah, I felt like it was getting to the point that I was irrationally holding on. The data wasn't there. And I guess I, I try to be data led with my transfers. And you just look at the data, you know, you're, you could get arthritis in your finger from scrolling to try and find them in any of the like important data lists. Like XG shots, any of the rest of it, it's just not there. And so I was just quite content to get rid in the end. And, and as Andy had pointed out, like the fixtures were turning as well. And so I, yeah, I felt it was time to go. Now, the guys were asking uh, about who we could go to, for example. Watkins came up in this. And it's just kind of interesting to look at the Watkins stats because, of course, he has had two goals in the last three, but he's had a lower non pen XG in those three games. And I appreciate small sample size than Josh Sargent and Joe Linton. You know, we're talking about a player who wouldn't have necessarily, you know, whilst he did very well um, last season, he wouldn't necessarily have been known for making the most of every chance that came his way. 
and we suddenly find Watkins, you know, seriously overperforming his XG in a very, very small, short time frame. Now, like Aston Villa themselves haven't exactly been brilliant in terms of their XG under Steven Jarrod while he's been there. Again, just three games. But, you know, they had a huge XG from two shots versus Brighton at the very end, which have kind of skewed their numbers. Against Palace, it was really against the odds. They had so many very low quality chances. And the City game, you know, okay, yes, Watkins did score, but it's very hard to read into whoever scores against Man City because it tends to be such a bizarre set of circumstances that lead to the goal that, you know, they aren't necessarily replicable against any other team, uh, bar like one of the, you know, maybe other title rivals, but I don't think it is really. And so with that in mind, I'm not convinced that Watkins is the one to go to yet. Is it? Is it a risk which could pay off? Yes, but I feel like there are other strikers that would make a little bit more sense um, in that kind of zone. Jesus is one. Um, but uh, join me, please, everyone. Join me on the sinking ship. Uh, the aforementioned Watford players that we've discussed are obviously ones that would be worth talking about too. Uh, Rad Jimenez is another one that, of course, has been doing quite well of late and should be considered. And then there is kind of, you know, Mr. Inevitable there at Newcastle, Callum Wilson, who just, you know, could tip away with goals. And I don't think he should be completely thrown out. Um, there's a few decent fixtures in there for Newcastle. But of course, there is uh, two kind of fixtures with uh, City, Man United and uh, Liverpool as well kind of come together but around those you've got the, the Burnley game and Leicester haven't been great shakes defensively and after those they've got Everton as well on uh, the day before New Year's Eve which is kind of a plump fixture so it's like if you want to have a striker who's you could see scoring against anyone including the big teams then at least Wilson provides that particular uh, impetus right no no I, okay maybe Wilson the, the fixtures for him and us are absolutely appalling like you know, I've got Connor Cody so I've got a close eye on this they've got Liverpool City Brighton Chelsea but- Watford Arsenal and Man United but this is the postman, you know, it's like you're not getting him, you yeah, know, you're getting him there because he can yeah. produce on he can produce on either side. You know, you're not really getting him in because the fixtures are good. Like the good fixtures have come and gone now for Wolves. And mm. uh, largely he has done quite well in them, uh, especially compared to all the other strikers when they've been, you know, quite quiet. Like, are you really going to start advising, you know, Team of Buki, who has actually picked up a few goals in the last yeah. few weeks? But, you know, he plays for a team that, you know, have scored about as as many times as there is like solar eclipses in the year. So it's it's not really worth, you know. Yeah. I I, 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 I appreciate I appreciate I've just like talked down Team Fuki for the reasons that I've then talked up Callum Wilson. So you know there's a there is an element of picking and choosing here. I appreciate that. Yeah. I I mean I think Antonio has been dining out on the early fixtures basically for two reasons. One, value retention, which is probably the the thing that you saw for and got rid of this week. Should probably have gotten. Should probably have gotten an assist. I think. I mean, obviously it was Vard, but that would have been an assist, and then people would be kind of thinking, "Yeah, he'll take over." The other one is that there's no proper alternative, which has really emerged apart from the Watford guys, and a lot of people have had Dennis, or at least been able to move their third striker on for a Watford player, and um, and not been as keen to move on Antonio for all the reasons we've spoken about in the past. You know, expected goals, him being as good last year as Kane, for example, in terms of the per ninety stats. But I, I do think, just to dwell on Watkins for a second, he is actually a little bit interesting. I mean, last season, I mean, we spoke about this on the pod as well. He, he managed 168 points, 14 goals, nine assists. Last season, actually, he was seventh for expected goal involvement amongst all players in the Premier League with 18.8. He was 0.1 of an XGI behind Bruno and 0.3 ahead of Son, who made it into the 200 club. 
if you throw in the four FPL assists that he got there, actually, he actually managed 19 goal involvements, which is just a 0.2 underperformance. So it's actually pretty decent if you look at the expected data. What's really nice about him as well is his shot heat map. They're all in or within the close vicinity of the box, which is really nice. And I'm very interested in making the leap across from Kane after the Norwich game. I mean, yeah, there's Liverpool. But after that, he's got Norwich, Burnley, Chelsea, Leeds and Brentford um, over five games. So two newly promoted teams and four teams in the bottom half over the next six. He could do well there. There's this fated new manager bounce, of course. But importantly as well for, for my team, so it's very situational, of course, him for Kane could finance uh, Rafinha to Bruno or Sancho, picking up one of those players. So he could be a nice solution there for me in terms of moving across Kane. Would I replace him for, with Antonio? Would I, I think I'm going to still, still keep Antonio for now, just because I've got better things, other things to do. Maybe I'm falling prey to what I said earlier about value retention and him dining out on kind of my own fears about what he could do if I sell him. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately I've got other things to do for the same just, reason. For the same reason I've still so, got Brian and Bremo. It's, it's the same reason I've still got him. The same reason I've still got uh, Guaitar because I've got other things to do. If I had a wild card, those players would be out very, very quickly. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's just the case you've got finite transfers and you've got to kind of manage them. I think because there have been zero other strikers hanging around that I could have moved him on to when I did have free transfers and was just sat there with a free transfer or two to do, um, that he still remains in my team, Antonio. But I, I completely understand why you, for example, got rid of him. What about the man who powered you towards the end of last season, Christian Mateke? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not as interested at the moment in Palace. I think the last couple of games have not... I mean, they were very, very good. And they lost Anderson, they lost MacArthur. And something in that team seems to have lost a bit of impetus. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, those two are not players that you'd have fingered at the start of the season as being you know, essential to how that team ran. But for whatever reason, I mean, Will Hughes was slated to be MacArthur's sort of... You know, next in line that the air to MacArthur um, and he only played the last kind of 20 minutes of the last game uh, Joe Anderson, he's kind of playing those kind of long raking balls over the top like, as important to Palace as Van Dijk is to Liverpool not that mm-hmm. Anderson's anywhere near to as Van Dijk but playing the same sort of you know deep playing uh, ball playing defender sort of role with those two out it seems like Palace have lost that bit of fluency and uh, uh, Vieira is still finding his feet there and the Palace team is still finding their feet to some extent. I'm not sure about Benteke yet. I'm not sure whether he's worth buying quite yet. I still think I prefer Watkins, but we'll see in a couple of weeks, or a couple of weeks being after this weekend, whether I still fancy, I still want to kind of abide by that because there's that tough United games come. Mm-hmm. Understandable. No, all makes sense really with that one. Cool. All right. Uh, premium Playgrounds is is next up. So, obviously, staying, staying with the strikers to some extent, people are asking, you know, is there an interest in the likes of Lukaku, Kane and Ronaldo? FPL Reaper at FPL Grimm said, you know, is there an interest in Lukaku? Does he fit our system? He said he's not, he's wanting to, he's wanting to bring him in, but he's not sure if his current system benefit him. Havertz isn't Lukaku, but 
Havertz hasn't been much of an enabler to Chelsea in Lukaku's absence. It's not really quite worked. So will Lukaku come in and change things for Chelsea? At Manic Stoic, Stoic Stoic um, asks, you know, given Kane and Ronaldo have Norwich in the next two, is there an advantage to moving away from Per Cap Salah? So we're going to be interested in either of those kind of high ticket strikers. And Sweet Blue 23 asks about buying in Lukaku too. Looking at those premium strikers, Anthony, is there an interest from you in those players? My general feeling is no. It's just too hard to fit them in. But to maybe dig into that a little bit more, with Lukaku, I had him earlier in the season. I think we all felt for at least a point that he was going to become one of these essential FPL buys. I think there's nothing to say that he won't be that at some point in the season. But uh, as was pointed out in one of the questions there, it just doesn't seem like the system has suited him thus far. Things haven't really fallen his way as well um, since he really came to Chelsea. And so for now, at least, I'd be reticent to go there because of the structural difficulties it was cause your own team. I would say ditto for with Harry Kane and Spurs. Like Spurs are making a dog out of good and bad fixtures alike. And that good run that of fixtures that they had has not paid the Kane owners well, as you well know, Tom. And so with that in mind, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, there's 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 still a few good fixtures there left to go for Kane. But I'm not sure at this point if it's the time to be bringing him in. If you had him, I wouldn't be selling him, of course, at this point, because the fact of the matter is a Norwich fixture for someone like Harry Kane could still will be a hat-trick. Um, Ronaldo, on the other hand, it's a bit difficult with him because, okay, now we've got a brace against Arsenal. Um, it's a brace so far. It could turn out to be a hat-trick. He's Mr. Inevitable. This is just the way that he is as a player. My fear with Ronaldo is that he might not score again in December because what's going to happen under Rangnick? How is he going to play him? Is he going to make him a super sub? Is he going to try and make him the pressing player that he once was quoted as saying you couldn't make Ronaldo? I think it was when he was at Leipzig. Um, and that just makes me concerned about bringing him into my side that, okay, yes, he could be he could be the an unbelievable super sub for a pressing team to come on against uh, opponents who have been worn down and where there's a little bit of extra space. And he could be fantastic at it if he's able to park his ego and make it happen. And if Ranyuk is able to get the control to make it happen. But that isn't necessarily brilliant from an FPL perspective if he's coming on and getting five and six points you know, every second or third game at that price. It's just not good enough with, you know, definite one and twos um, spaced in with that, or maybe ones, I guess, wouldn't be twos if he's coming on as a sub. Um, under Ranić, I kind of fancy the non, non-forwards non to have greater success. Rashford and Sancho would be kind of the first ones you'd look to. Bruno, I think, is the player that he should seek to get the most out of on a game-by-game basis. I'm not sure if getting the most out of Bruno is code for make sure he scores goals and gets assists, or well, scores goals. I think you have to kind of use his assist value much more so than his goal value if you were to try and make a cohesive team with Bruno involved. But of course, with penalties and with just long shots and things, he could still prove himself to be a good asset, even if he isn't necessarily having the same license to get into the box he once had. Cavani could be an interesting one in very light touches because he has the work rate, but you fear about the minutes. Uh, with him at his age and I'd be kind of that's one I'd be kind of just keeping an eye on in terms of injuries and just maybe he just seems to fall into favor as someone who can pick up a system and who has like you know the intelligence to make things work uh, quite quickly but for now Ronaldo of course they're unbelievable fixtures from gaming 15 to 27 but personally I'm in wait and see territory 
I suspect, though, knowing the FPL community, that won't necessarily be the case tomorrow. Um, a brace by Ronaldo means that, you know, we're back to probably what game week three or whatever week it was, Tom, where he is a must-have and the new manager bounce and la 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 la. Yes, yes, possibly, <laughs> possibly. I mean, I, 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 I agree with what you said about him, Anthony. I think that you know the ex-Mins over Christmas is is questionable at best at his age. I mean, he, okay, he's an amazing physical specimen, yada yada yada. But it's best to see what Rangnick does with him. Um, but I'm likelier to echo you and, and home in on the likes of Sancho, Bruno, or Rashford um, as my United pickup. Really, like, Rashford is actually the one that I think could be the like you know I, I feel he is a generational talent within that side. It hasn't necessarily kind of made it happen yet, and I think Ranić is one of these people who will see that and try to get the most out of it from a both goals and assists perspective that others haven't, and he could make an absolute mockery of his price tag and his position in FPL yeah. Yeah. if um if things kind of fall his way. Now I know there's like multiple big ifs, and it's a big claim that I've made there, but nine point four is a pretty good. Uh, entry point for a Man United midfielder who's getting goals and assists. Yeah, I mean, we've got one game against Palace to see what Rangnick's potential blueprint may be. So I think that'll probably be good enough for all of us, really. I mean, there's obviously going to be the, but it's Ronaldo uh, sort of sentiment going on. It really depends how much you buy into that. I still think that you need to temper the the hype to some extent. But the thing is, is that the, but it's Ronaldo um, hype will be right probably multiple times you know in the next two months even if Ronaldo becomes a bench player <laughs> you know like the, the, the fact of the matter is he will start a few of them he'll start the bigger games you'd presume and uh, especially if United start to really kind of get the wheels moving um, but no he wouldn't necessarily start the big games but he'll get a longer run in the big games you know he'll get 40 minutes or 30 minutes and he'll have to you know make sure that he does the running required um, to merit his place yeah. in the team for those games. But I, it could really work for people then. But I'm definitely in that wait and see. I'm happy to take at least one game before I come back here with a completely different opinion and tear up my whole entire side uh, yeah. to try and get him in. No, I, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. I mean, I've got, I've got Harry Kane or Harry Kante, as you might want to call him, um, based on tonight's depth. I mean, it, it. I've got the door open to Ronaldo if required. That was the whole point of buying Kane. I don't feel great about it at the moment because I've missed out on loads of points elsewhere. But, you know, Kane would be gone right now if it wasn't for that Norwich game next. There's, there's no question of that. Uh, there's nothing to really kind of commend me to be keeping him tonight apart from that there's a Norwich game there's a miss one and one that's really annoying basically I mean there is Lukaku Spectre uh, just to pick him up as well in terms of the uh, the Reaper question um, I don't know how much faith we place in quotes not very many uh, but Tushu has said if he's fit he's a likely starter he's still somehow in the top 20 for expected goal involvement this season Lukaku a 5.1 that's best than the likes of Dennis and Raul Jimenez who have played every game while Lukaku has been away obviously don't play for Chelsea so it's slightly you know, tempered again but after West Ham this weekend I don't play another top side until Liverpool on the 2nd of January so you could say there's a really good looking five fixtures for him as well so what I like about all this is there's lots of kind of multiple good avenues I think that everybody's going to flock to Ronaldo and perhaps Perhaps you could have some other options there. I do like the idea of looking at Sancho, looking at Bruno, looking at Rashford in terms of Ronaldo and looking at kind of getting an alternative to the Ronaldo train, just because I think I'm not 
probably going to be captain Ronaldo. I think I'm probably going to be sticking, especially in line of my objectives, to just captain whatever the algo tells me. The algo is probably going to be telling me to captain Salah until he goes away for AFCOM. So having the quality spread throughout my side, going away from the Duomium, as I've got them with Kane, and going into some sort of spread quality sort of pickup with Ronaldo, uh, with Salah, sorry, being my sole premium could be where I go. I really don't like Kane is uh, another kind of thing that I just say right now. Maybe thinking differently next week after Norwich, but I think that's the way it sort of is. Moving on to Manchester City. Where the bloody hell do we go now with City? Uh, Praz FPL asks, you know, who do we target? Which City attackers do we need for the good fixtures? Do we go back to Foden, he asks, or are Bernardo Silva, Jesus, Anthony's man, or even Grealish? Good options. Hmm. Adam and FPL, uh, Adam Pritchard, that is, and FPL Rodney ask, why don't we, why don't we all own Bernardo Silva at this point? Uh, FPL Davis uh, says, you know, is there a case for doubling up on City rather than Chelsea right now? And Darren Chen says simply, you know, Foden, do we hold or sell? And there's a cheeky late question as well from Ross uh, at FPL Merch asking if mid-price mids are coming in to the fore now with cheap mids such as Gallagher, Mbwemo and Co. Stalling, which I guess probably involves Bernardo Silva in that. I mean, I had to look at all the information, all the data for Man City at the moment. Their top scorer is currently Bernardo Silva. So maybe to Adam and Effa Rodney, we should be buying him. Hooray! He's 34th in the Premier League for expected goal involvement at the moment, according to Statsbomb, with an underwhelming 4.2 expected goal involvement. That's five goals and two assists. Great movement. I mean, his goals have been characterised by ghosting in for a tap-in, apart from that amazing volley, obviously, over the week. Uh, I was going to say over the weekend, over the midweek uh, games. It's those ex-mins, aren't they, that is a bit of a killer. So City are currently second, second by a long way, by the way. Liverpool are 14 expected goal involvements ahead of them um, in terms of expected non-pen goals and assists. And they also don't play anyone describable as a tough opponent to Arsenal on the 1st of Jan. Even that is a bit lulls, isn't it? I mean, I'm really interested in Bernardo Silva. Um, It'll take minus four. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know that I do also, I was going to say Gundogan here, but it's murky without making any inferences about his status. We don't know why he missed the game versus Aston Villa. Doesn't seem to be any real reason. It's, it's unavailable and that was all that was mentioned. I mean, if, if Pepe okays him, um, in the press conference on Friday, I'll be interested again. He scores particular goals in particular spaces, as mentioned by Jordan Jarrett Bryan on Football Weekly. Um, but maybe talking to Ross's question a bit, could we be overlooking Bernardo a little bit? I mean, all of the lads that he's mentioned in the mid-price mids have fallen off big time, haven't they, Anthony? Like Mbwemo, Trash, Gallagher, playing deeper, should have got an assist, as I mentioned earlier on. Ben Rama, long gone. Corne, shockingly, not able to keep up his nearly one in two conversion rate. I mean, what do you think about Man City at the moment? I mean, I know you're keeping Jesus free thick and fit. Should people just be joining you on him and thinking sort of a lot? Is there any sort of value to be found in Bernardo Silva? What's your view? As you say, Bernardo, I think the, the key thing that stands out about him is those expected minutes. Like he didn't start in game week one, but he's got 15 starts in the league uh, since then, or 14 starts in the league since then. And 
sorry, try again, 13 starts <laughs> in the league since then. Um, he didn't make it to the 60-minute mark in one of those games, but it was game week three, so we'll just forget about that. Casually gloss over it and say that his minutes are as good as you'll find in the City midfield slash attack. The thing with Bernardo Silva for me is that just he doesn't actually have that many shots. And whilst, okay, his goal record is quite good in fact that he's got five so far this season compared to his City teammates, this is again kind of this problem with City where the, the fruits are all spread out so much across the team that you know anyone is as likely to score almost in a given game. And Silva just happens to have kind of come out the right end of that lottery uh, more often than others so far. Like his three goals, for example, in just the last four games, they came from six shots. He had an XG of 1.4, so he obviously overperformed that. I know it's over four games, that means nothing. But it just kind of gives you an indication of how much shooting he does. He's only had more than two shots in a game twice all season in 13 appearances. You know, Again, this isn't like goal threat central. Um, but is, there is still that 7.3 million aspect that makes him you know, fairly attractive as an option. He hasn't actually been doing particularly well in terms of creating chances so far. And this is something that, again, a bit like the way the City players can be the ones that end up finding themselves scoring goals. He is as capable of turning provider as well. And that may prove to be a better source of FPL points as the weeks go on with him. Personally, with Foden, I feel for people who've had him, like it's understandably extremely frustrating how things have been. Like at 8.1, you would expect him to play as much as anyone at Christmas when City players will be rotated around the place. And he's proven to be a brilliant FPL asset in short bursts previously. But I don't know why you'd get him in right now based on just everything that's gone on. I think you'd you'd have to wait until you felt like he was in one of those bursts where he was going to be playing, you know, a few consecutive, at least 60 minute games. And I don't think we're there. Jesus is still the one that I would still be talking about. His his XG per shot is poor, and he is someone who gets an awful lot of shots. But you know that means that his non-pen XG is actually okay. But just because of sheer volume of shots, it's not brilliant, but it's okay. The XA is also there because he's out in the wing a lot of the time. Um, but he has not proved to be a good buy for me so far. I kind of continue to talk about him as uh, everyone else who has him. I would say is just selling him bit by bit and getting more and more frustrated with them. So I'd understand why people aren't interested. The question about doubling up City, I, I, it definitely wouldn't be an attack if you were looking about doubling up here. It would definitely be in defence. The underlying stats in their defensive unit is just it's unreal. It's, they're so much better than any of the other defences. Um, is probably the first one that you'd have. Who would be the second one that you pair with them? And this has kind of proved to be the, the awkward question lately with City is that who's the obvious pair? And there's, I guess this is why we were talking about Ederson so much in you know previous times that he at least provided the expected minutes that the rest of the city defense just can't fully guarantee you. And so with that in mind, um, I'm I'm still talking about the Ederson double up, the Ederson double up to get all those city clean sheet points that I actually avoided doing myself. But I do think it's worth considering. Um, the likes of Grealish, by the way, who's mentioned in this list, could turn out to be brilliant. Like it just hasn't worked for him so far. But from an FPL perspective, we know what he can be both in terms of goals and assists. I feel like as City start to grind out 1-0 and 2-1 wins, you know, the, the, the type of way that they tend to win their titles with, you know, 16 wins in 17 games or whatever, uh, someone like Grealish who has that little bit of sparkle could prove to be that really important player in the way that Leroy Sané used to be a few years back yeah. when City started to kind of pull things out of the fire. And um, yeah, but for now... For now, I would wait off. So here I am still talking of the one player that I own and avoiding all the rest of them. But that's just 
kind of my feelings on the City players right now. I would keep an eye on Gundogan, Jordi, because, as you say, the positions have been good. The moments are good when he is there on the pitch. And um, he has kind of, just especially with the De Bruyne situation kind of continuing, he has um, a good chance of getting a few points along the way if he is playing. Yeah, if he is playing, I'm, I'm going to be very interested in him for this weekend. Because of that Watford game, to some people, I mean, obviously they have stood five things have changed under on, on Diddy Ding, Diddy Dong Man, um, but you're still going to be looking at Watford and thinking, yeah, that's a game that you know habitually donate three or four goals to City's goal difference every season. I think that's definitely one that I would be kind of looking at. Um, and speaking of just quickly, just to looking at Ross's question a little bit about those mid-price mids. I mean, I remember at the start of the season, obviously we were looking at a meta with you know, Demarai, Gray, Mbwemo, you know, Gallagher, obviously Ben Rama was in everybody's team at one point. I mean, these mid-price players really have dropped off, haven't they? As probably we thought they would really. I mean, they, those are players who weren't, probably going to do a Riyad Mahrez were probably players who were going to drop off eventually. I mean, Gallagher, I mean, he should have gotten assist, I think, this week. I mean, that that Benteke miss was, probably, was pretty bad. He's still on all set plays with a couple of shots blots, but over the last couple of games, it hasn't looked that fantastic. Is there any hope for those mid-price mids, do you think, Anthony, before we move on to the next bit? I think the, the mid-price mids is just, it's a price point that tends to just ebb and flow. And it's, you know, we can't expect any of them to <clears throat> provide like super duper consistently. And so you just kind of have to just keep an eye out and who is going to provide there. Like Smith Rowe, I know now in, in comical fashion this time, but he has managed to be relatively consistent with his points uh, for quite a few weeks now. And I think that that's kind of where <laughs> that's where I turned. And I think that's where it might be worth um, looking to turn um, in the next few weeks. Beyond that, it's very hard to identify the a clear one right now. I know some people have been talking about Jared Bowen. Uh, not for me. Uh, some, you know, there's the if Everton can turn things around like that's a massive if. James Madison has had two good game weeks in a row in FPL. This is um this is noteworthy purely because, you know, there was a stage where James Madison was like the type of player that we all wanted to have on our FPL teams all the time. And the idea that in 2021-22, he would be 6.7 million would have seemed insane to us a few years ago. Um, but that's just kind of how far things have kind of turned for him. Um, Tom, it's, it's a hard Harvey question, Barnes. basically. Harvey Barnes. Where's no, Harvey Barnes, Anthony? No, 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 we're not doing Harvey Barnes. And so, <laughs> with that in mind, look, I'm, I'm totally kicking to touch on this question, basically, Tom. I don't, there's no obvious answer to me right now. Yeah. I, went for, I, I went for, I went for ESR when pressed. Uh, Jota's obviously, like, you know, faster and faster moving away from that price point, which means he can't really fall into the conversation. He could have been in the conversation a few weeks ago, but, you know. Yeah, no, definitely a bit of a must-own. Right, um, a few in the pick-and-mix bag uh, just to finish off before we move on to kind of transfers and captains and the usual related question to segue us into it. The first one is from Mitchell Sterling, the pod statistician, who asks, <laughs> is, it, is this the week to stop bringing in any additional AFCOM players uh, for our sides? Well, AFCON goers, I mean, broadly, I think it's time to start thinking about curtailing our interests unless it feels a bit overwhelming. So Dennis, for example, if you're listening to this podcast and don't own Salah, no one's going to be doing that. So let's not, let's not mention that. Uh, it feels a bit to me like the old days, though, 
when we'd start to sell players very, very early in anticipation of an upcoming blank game week. And everyone would be scaremongering about the fact, you know, there's a blank game week in four or five weeks. Be careful. And people would be making transfers out for players who had two or three game weeks left who are pretty good. I mean, there are still five weeks to go, I think, until the nearest possible moment when players leave, which is after Boxing Day. And the players you're going to bring in at the moment are going to be fixable through free transfers to be getting rid of. I mean, I just don't want to fall into the trap of being alarmist about AFCOT. Obviously, it needs to be borne in mind. But the reality is there's not a massive impact on the squads. Salah, definitely the highest priced player on the game. So if you sell him, you're not going to have trouble getting to anybody else, are you? Maybe Dennis, but at the end of the day, you're probably going to be all right if you get rid of him. Elsewhere, you know, you've got Ben Rama, still owned by 24% of players, but that's dead teams and Nick. And uh, Mendy, 20%. I mean, those players aren't troubling FPL, I don't think. So I wouldn't be overly concerned in my learned opinion about one, their impacts on them leaving, leaving the game, and two, uh, buying in these players. I don't think any of the players that we'd be looking to buy in would be affected by that. You're nodding, so I think we're going to continue on here. Uh, next question from CG. We've mentioned this a couple of times already. Early predictions on United assets to get, says FPL CG, who is not Conor Gallagher. Um, I, I guess we've said this a few times, but I think we're both veering towards the midfielders to some extent. Um, Ronaldo's ex-mins a bit of a problem. Rashford, Bruno, we're Sancho. Ronaldo now seemingly flagged as well. We might well, as well just I flag, I I flag, yeah, flag that in the in the midst of the pod. There is talk that Ronaldo has gone off injured. <laughs> yeah. We're not able to independently verify it, and so yeah, of course, that just, we might as well just flag that we're just not able to fully go into that. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not heading down to Old Trafford to to get in the tunnel and, and touch him up on the fire. Um, let's talk about the defense though, very quickly, Anthony. So I mean, Shaw and David de Gea are both appearing <laughs> very highly in Mikel Tot. Rams transfer algorithm. Obviously, at the moment, you'd be laughing and just saying, nah, go away. And we need to see how it's going to shake out. And obviously, you know, give it one week at least. Uh, Rangnick's going to be in charge over the weekend. We'll see how it all kind of sets up. But is there any interest perhaps in thinking, you know, say you own Guaitar, like you and I, any interest in looking at a United goalkeeper, for example, because the next the next few fixtures are really good. The new manager bounce could come into play. United could solidify at the back. Could that be worth 5.0? United's art one here in that, okay, De Gea could actually provide value. Um, I was kind of laughing there at the Shaw stuff because I've just kind of got myself into a bit of a cul-de-sac on Luke Shaw in FPL in general. But I think there could... Like, United are the type of defence, and we've seen it even under Solskjaer, that they were able to keep clean sheets very consistently. They were able to have pretty good underlying data consistently. And it's the same personnel. It's actually an improved version of the personnel, if anything, that are there. But... Am I going to go rushing looking to the United defence to provide me with points? No. There's just way too much value to be had elsewhere and too many essential, expensive, elite defenders that you know you need to have in your team. It's not even like it's not even some sort of negotiation. It kind of feels like you need to have your Cantellos, your Trent Alexander Arnolds, your Reese James or your Rudigers or Anon Alonso right now um in your side. And it's just it's going to get harder then to fit one of those United defenders in at five point something ish or De Gea in at 5.0 when you can just get a cheaper enabler like a Ben White to kind of fill in the gaps in your defense that's why I guess I'm looking to De Gea at 5.0 because he is as you say 
an option there that could be as like he is basically competing with a lot of really cheap goalkeepers for position there and he may well provide that value especially over this run of fixtures um but i'd have to see a little bit more from united under Rangnick to know the one thing that i would say is that when a manager comes in it has consistently been the case and we see this with the top teams and bottom teams so we saw for example the top team with Tuchel uh, we'd have seen it at lower ranked teams like basically every team that Sam Allardyce took over mid-season ever it is easier to fix a defense and then work on the attack afterwards so if you were Thomas Tuchel or if you were Ralph Rangnick you might be like okay fix this United defense make them a bit more solid uh, you know Fernandez pot shots uh, Rashford fast on the break you know equals win and it could well work pretty consistently with the amount of talent that they have it's kind of something that you know it had to vie away from that when Ronaldo was signed but if Rani can take control of it I could see how it could work and it would be defensive discipline that would do it and at that point then De Gea I think is the obvious option people will talk about Shaw's balls and the chances he creates and things but the truth is is that he doesn't create enough big good chances consistently historically to make me that interested in him yeah, a long-term sure sceptic over there. And um, finally, Alex uh, asks, should we start to consider Robbo and Trent as part of big at the back? Obviously an opportunity, Robbo to assist last game, four chances, one big chance, but Jota, Salah and Trent are the three, I think you're going to win from Liverpool. When Salah goes to AFCON, maybe, but it's hard to play on that trio right now. Final question this week. Wow, we've actually gone on a lot, a lot longer than I thought we would uh, for a short, <laughs> short pod. Oh, God damn it, Anthony. Same again. You got um, me talking but, about Gabriel Jesus. What can I, I say? All right, onward, uh, onward move. So, made man at NKS underscore Ryan says, when the template is so, so strong at the moment and only a few hand-picked players are doing well, what do you do with free transfers facing this issue for the past couple of weeks where there are hardly any exciting fits to go for and burning a transfer seems unthinkable? So, this kind of segues us nicely into the transfers and captains this week. Just because, I mean, I've, I've got two things that I could possibly we do i've got two free transfers i've got christensen to get rid of i could get rid of Mbuemo. i could get rid of another player i could get rid of guitar i could you know take a minus four but in line with what um made man has just said i think i'm going to make one transfer and roll the other one over to next weekend because this week you've still got the unpredictability of the fact that the games have just finished and you've got another round of games you know, in a couple of days' time. So what I'm likely to do, what I'm looking at doing, is literally moving Christensen on to Tommy Yasu or something like that because I need to move Christensen on. I've got 4.8 to play with. I want to just cover Arsenal's defence, frankly, because of the, the the crazy amount of ownership for uh, for Ramsdale, effective ownership, that is. Um, I like Tommy Yasu's positioning. Um, I think it, for 0.2, he offers slightly more than Ben White, not loads more, but slightly more with 4.6. I think I'll be getting him in. I think I'm just going to leave it. I know I've got cockroaches like Mbwemo, cockroaches like Guaytar, so hang around in my team. But two free transfers in game week 16, when I've got Rafinha at the end of a good run of fixtures and Kane at the end of a good run of fixtures, I feel it's going to be so much more beneficial to do. Like, this week, I've this game week just gone. I thought I'd be treading water. It looks like I've kind of just got a red arrow, a tiny one. Next week, I'm going to be hoping to kind of stay around that level. But I, I kind of feel like, I mean, you've had good success this week, Anthony, with a minus eight. I just think that at the moment, it's not quite the right time to be doing that and taking that level of risk right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, my team this week, great iron goal, unfortunately. Trent, 
James, who may or may not play Cancelo. I'm going to replace Christensen. I think Tommy Yasu in midfield. Gallagher, um, who I think will get something against United. I really do. Uh, Salah captain, Jota. I'm going to give him Buemo one last dance, a, a last, last, last dance, maybe. Left wing back at the end of the uh, of, of the Spurs game and Rafinha. And up front, Kane. Like, you know, two or three players on final notice. And first bench, Dennis. Second bench, Antonio. Like, I've got enough in the team to not need to take a hit again. So I think I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too conservative of a small C, but I just don't feel like it's quite the time to be performing major surgery on my team in line with what um, your man's just said. There. I mean, but what do you think about that question? And, and we'll segue on to your team in a minute, but you know, do you think I'm right in terms of applying that kind of thinking to my team here in front of you? I think so in short, Tom. Yeah, I, I feel like where your side is at, it does seem, especially I think in, in the context of having Harry Kane there, who you're probably going to want to sell, you may want to downgrade and you know move funds around a team. Two free transfers is the easiest way to do that and the least costly way to do it. And so it, it does seem like you are just in a, in a position where using your two two free transfers in a few weeks where you feel like you will need to do so seems a lot more sensible than kind of spaffing them now and then kind of running yourself down a cul-de-sac where you end up having to take a hit later or where you're just kind of trying to navigate the awkward Christmas fixtures on just one free transfer when you need you need not have been in that position um and I think in general the template is strong there especially if you are on the template there isn't a compelling reason to fall off it yet um and so with that in mind I don't think you know allowing the free transfers to burn a hole in your pocket um is the worst thing in the world. Like I feel like anyone though should have some minor, minor, very minor, sur- as you know, surgery to do on their side. You know, if you have, if you just like you, Tom, you're just kind of finding a way to use one free transfer to work on one of your problems. Christensen, in your case, um, I think everyone surely has at least one of those, like at least problems that they'd like to move on. They could think about a few weeks down the line where they need to like, where is it worth just saving some money now? It might only be a 0.1 or a 0.2. It could be downgrading. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it, but it could be de- downgrading someone like Alan to an even cheaper midfielder, for example, just to get that extra 0.1 or 0.2 that might allow you to do something else in a few weeks time. I would totally understand that, but um, yeah, I, I don't think surgery for the sake of it is the way to go, especially when the template is so good right now and there is no compelling alternative and i guess bringing my me to my side which has now become template after taking a hit um or taking a two hits indeed to get it to this point in the end my game week didn't turn out as good as i kind of thought it looked like it was going to when the bonus points were shifted around a little bit differently earlier in the uh podcast but you know i'll still be in around 540 ish k by the time this is over now looking at my pod looking at my team i feel like i have enough on my bench in terms of White, King and Alan, to make up for the fact that I'm likely to have somebody rotated across my side. My team with a 4-4-2 with Guaita, Cancelo, Rudiger, Reese James, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Son, Salah, Captain, Jota and ESR. And then up front, I've got both Tony and Jesus. And I'm going to keep them both there for another week. I'm going to roll the transfer to have two. A bit like you, Tom, I just want to be in a position where I have two transfers going into the next few weeks and this is the easiest way to do that um and so with that in mind there's no point veering away from the sala captaincy right now still there's just no point it would just be harry carry i feel like so i will plug on as it stands with this particular team hopefully i can kind of make a few get a few more green arrows because things just haven't really been paying dividend lately but moving towards a template maybe that's what i need to do but yes 
that does bring us to the end of this podcast. Uh, a rapid pod hasn't been so rapid in the end, and it's probably been uh, there's probably about what 50 minutes or an hour's worth of listening for you folks in there. <laughs> so hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks very much for listening. We were Who Got the Assist. If you want to see us rather than listen to us, just type WGTA or indeed Who Got the Assist into YouTube, and you can see us there. If you want to a join the mini league 2ip43t is the code that you need we're going to close it at some point soon we haven't decided when so you know get in there now while you've been listening to this week in week out just just do it please thanks and also if you want to get correspondence in then who got the assist at gmail.com Yep, a full a full league update next week, of course. We'll be back to the full pod on Monday after game week 15. We'll be joined by FPL Harry, previously FPL tips for that one. Looking forward to that. Hopefully he doesn't have too many Jaeger bombs during the podcast. Either way, uh, we hope we assisted you ahead of game week 15. All the best this weekend. We'll speak to you very, very soon. Good night. Thank you. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.